Hi everyone and welcome to Pod2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with business executives and thought leaders about the technology, market issues, and indirect route-to-market trends impacting the world around us. I'm your host, Larry Walsh. In the pantheon of transformative trends, Internet of Things, or IoT, is among the biggest. Sensors, controllers, and automated systems are coming online at a rate of one every three seconds. By 2025, depending on the analyst firm you're talking to, the world will have between 75 billion and 125 billion IoT devices active for commercial and consumer purposes. IoT is not a fad. It's literally reshaping the world. Vertical applications and use cases are changing the way different industries work. IoT is transforming healthcare by enabling remote patient monitoring and care delivery. IoT is transforming logistics by embedding tracking devices in ships, trains, and trucks to monitor the flow of goods and services. IoT is changing agriculture by automating crop monitoring and care, livestock tracking, and inventory management. IoT is revolutionizing manufacturing by introducing smart, automated robotics to the fabrication of materials and finished goods. IoT is changing cities and transportation through sensors that monitor and manage traffic flows in dense urban centers. IoT is evolving living by giving businesses and consumers control over their homes and work environments through automated energy, environmental, and security systems. IoT is quickly touching everything, and it's not something we're waiting to see happen. According to analyst firm IDC, businesses will spend more than $745 billion on IoT systems and support. $245 billion of that amount will go towards integrating IoT systems and devices with legacy IT systems. We can see and imagine how IoT will change the IT industry and the world, but the go-to-market side of the equation isn't so clear. Vendors, particularly emerging innovators and legacy manufacturers transforming their businesses, are grappling with how to take their IoT systems to market. Solution providers and resellers hear much about IoT opportunities, but too few are adopting IoT products and business models, and customers are having a hard time identifying trusted sources of IoT guidance, products, and support. Despite the challenges, IoT presents, as our guest Eric Hembree describes, limitless opportunities for vendors, distributors, solution providers, and customers. Hembree is the director of IoT at Ingram Micro. He is the distributor's chief IoT advocate and oversees the product and support services for helping solution providers succeed in the IoT market. Hembree sees the challenges ahead, but the vast opportunity for solution providers in IoT is what's driving him and Ingram to invest in IoT education, enablement, and support for the channel. A part of that investment is Ingram's first dedicated IoT event, the Ingram Micro IoT Summit, September 4th and 5th, 2019, in fabulous Irvine, California. Eric Hembree joins Pod2112 to share his views on the current and evolving state of the Internet of Things. From your perspective, what is Internet of Things? I will tell you that I think it's too broad of a definition. And, um, but seriously, you know, what is it that, what is it that it falls under that umbrella of IoT for you know not only for for Ingram but for the market? For me, I think it it has to have a material impact on your day to day, and what I mean by that is even on a personal use. Right. So my wife is a type one diabetic and she recently, as of last week, just upgraded her glucometer to um, a Dexcom one. So now my biggest fear was that I would be 3000 miles away at an event and her blood sugar would drop in the middle of the night and I wouldn't know about it to help. Right now, 
She has a sensor that she wears that monitors her blood sugar. It can text my phone and say that there's an alert and I can call and check in to make sure that she's okay and she's addressing it, right? Most of the times now she, she's, she's laughing and saying and texting me first and saying like, I'm on it, I know, I know, I know. But what if the day comes where it doesn't happen and she doesn't wake up and she isn't able to fix it herself or take her glucose tablets? I can then take action across the country, call 911, get somebody over there, open up the door for them using my phone. That to me is the power of IoT, not just because it's an efficient improvement, but it's a game changer. And I think that our partners need to start seeing that IoT is the game changer for them. It's the disruptive power. You know, They should be looking at it to do more than just improving op- operational efficiencies. Okay, yeah, that's part of it, but what's the next step? What else can they be doing outside of that? That's the true potential for IoT in my mind. Why do they have to see this though? Because if you look at IoT this year, IDC says that $745 billion will be spent on IoT this year. Mm -hmm. That does not sound like an emerging market opportunity. There are segments of the market today that don't even crack 100 billion, much less 700 billion. So why is it that we're still looking at this as an emerging opportunity? The future and potential of IoT is astronomical. By the end of this year, we'll be anywhere, depending on who you ask, between 20 to 25 billion connected devices. And by 2025, in just five, six short years, we'll be at 75 billion devices. That's essentially a new device coming online, you know, or, or a couple thousand devices coming online every minute of the day. And that, that growth potential is, is limitless, right? Those devices could be anything. They could be more glucose monitors, like what my wife has. They could be more garage door openers, smart lighting, um, sensors for you know uh, when, when your beverage is getting low. It's limitless possibilities, and it really is the sky's the limit. So my challenge that I've been having with partners is getting them to think differently about how IT can solve problems in a new way. That it's not just the same old, let's go back to the, you know, the bucket and rinse and repeat the way that we've always done it. Challenging them to think in new ways to leverage this opportunity that's in front of them. Why is that a challenge though? Again, let's just come back to the number. Mm -hmm. $245 billion of IoT spend this year, 2019 is the integration of IT, IoT devices with legacy systems. That's right in the partner's wheelhouse. Yeah. What is it that they're not seeing today that you need to convince them of? It's very easy for us to be stuck with blinders on because our partners have built very successful business practices doing what they do best. And it's very easy to say like, hey, we're growing at 10%, 20%, you know, double digit growth every single year. This is great, let's keep doing this but they fail to recognize incremental opportunity unless it presents itself to them, right? Because again, it's very easy for us to be in that default um, kind of cruise control, like, hey, we're plugging away and business is great, why should I change? But the untapped market opportunity, you know, who, wanna, who wouldn't want to have their own share of that, you know, $200 billion worth of business that's growing into the trillions in the next few years? Yeah. Is it possible that they're they're actually doing IoT work today and they just don't realize it or it's just a hundred percent. Okay. So yeah. what does that look like? <clears throat> you know, a lot of our partners are doing that today. 
and they are really heavy on the platform side or the connectivity side or definitely on the gateway side but they're missing potentially that sensor piece or maybe they are connecting the sensor and they don't know um, what that data is feeding into or tying it off into an analytics dashboard to make use of the data that that sensor is generating. So I would say a majority of our partners are really deep and heavy on the networking side, obviously, experts in the gateways and the, and the access points and various connectivity protocols, but they need that help. They need that little push to take it over the edge and look at the actual use case that they could be creating and that could be something as far as data analytics platform um, and, and identifying, okay, this data is being generated. What does it mean? What does it look like? Feeding it into a dashboard for a visual representation versus just numbers on a screen. Is there a, is, is it because you know, we have to remove the blinders in order for them to see what the extended opportunities are? Well, you know, because I don't know, I have a hard time seeing them not recognizing hooking up an HVAC system into a network is not being connected to an IoT practice? Or is it just that, that they just see it as, oh, it's another device I have to connect, but they don't see the extended opportunities that come along with it? I would say human nature for us is we don't know what we don't know. Nobody magically wakes up and has the answers to everything that they've ever wanted to know. And to my earlier point about being in the swim lane and having the blinders on, you know, we have to be told something out of the gate, right? You know, we need to be told not to touch the stove or if we do touch it, it's hot and it hurts us. And then we learn from that, right? So IoT, I think largely has been opportunistic for a lot of our partners. They're not actively going out and finding those opportunities. Those opportunities are, find, are finding them. And they are smart enough to realize that, okay, well, I can solve for this this way because they directly told me what their problem was. IoT is bigger than that. It's, it's driving that conversation with their customers to really dig deeper into what the true business outcome is. What is the desired uh, future state for their customer and how can we help them get there? There's so much talk of IoT. Are they treating it, though, as a future opportunity, not something that's in the here and now? Are they coming to you saying, you know, when are we going to, when is this going to be available or what does this actually mean? Is that this, is there a, a time disconnect in, in the opportunity? There definitely is today. And I've been trying to break that mold with our partners. Um, in my breakout today, I threw up a stat from a Cisco study that they did in 2017 where they said they found 75% of IoT implementations fail after the proof of concept stage. That, that bothered me quite a bit because we were seeing similar if not higher failure rates just doing our own due diligence a year and a half ago when we were talking to our partners and understanding how we wanted to show up as Ingram Micro in the IoT space. And a lot of it was around making IoT too big out of the gates. We're looking at it as a crawl, walk, run mentality, right? Not every use case or business outcome is going to need a big sexy solution complete with advanced AI and machine learning and data analytics and all of that. Phase one, just start connecting everything, 
right? Just start generating the data, feed that into a dashboard so you can start to understand and analyze what that data actually means. From there, you can start to uh, surmise, you know, various implementations or changes to the environment to improve efficiencies, let's say, if that's what the end customer ultimately wants. But at the end of the day, it starts with connecting and, and, and seeing that data begin generating. I'll just say is that I have a hard time thinking about IoT as a product. To me, is that it, IoT is a system, and those systems may have some common components, but they are very verticalized solutions. Your wife's glucose sensor. Mm-hmm. That is a healthcare IoT use case, For sure. or a, even call it a workload, if yeah. you will. I can't productize <laughs> IoT like that. I can productize IoT as a verticalized system. Is that really the build that we're going to see? Is that there's going to be not just IoT practices, but they're going to be they they're going to be by definition verticalized practices? For sure, that's what our partners need. And and you know when we were having our earlier discussions with these with these top partners that we had brought in for um, strategy sessions or just fact finding missions, they resonated to the use case component of IoT. They understood the technology side. Okay, I know the architecture. It's a sensor. It needs to connect to a gateway. That data needs to feed into a platform dashboard, whether that be hosted or on-prem or private, whatever that looks like. But really, the light bulb went on for them when we started talking use cases and breaking it down by vertical. Not just saying a um, smart refrigeration solution. What does that mean? Right? Like, what's the implication for that? But if you bring in an actual use case and you say, we have a partner that had an end user who had 50 different locations across the Northeast with 100 different uh, refrigerators in each of those lo- uh, across that footprint, and they had to pay somebody to manually drive around every single day and report manually on a document for uh, uh, compliance reasons, what the temperatures were of each refrigerator. And if they fell below a certain temperature threshold, they would have to report that for uh, FDA regulations, right? For, for food safety regulations. They were paying somebody to do that. We tell them that it's all monitored remotely. You no longer have to have that guy. And by the way, instead of checking it every twice a day, it checks it every five minutes. Right. So they think, oh, well, duh, of course, it makes sense. Right. Like, why didn't I think of that? But again, to, your, to the point is that our partners are attracted to the use case versus, you know, um, kind of the bigger picture, because it's hard to conceptualize and, and hard to fathom what the, what the solution actually looks like. But you talk about a use case and the solution behind that. That all flows into it, and they're easy to, uh, they're, they're more apt to adopting that and resonating more for them. But that sounds so much harder than everyone needs a server and everyone needs a switch. Yeah. And we all need some form of PC endpoint. I, I, you know, I, and I'm with you. I, I completely agree with what you're, what you're saying in terms of use cases driving the solution. Even then, it's, you know, we, we've talked about this for years on just in general IT, is that you build repeatable solutions. It seems so much, it's, it's, as you're describing it, I go, it's, it's so much harder to conceptualize 
in a in a vertical an IoT context than it is to say, okay, I need to if I'm going to build out a data center or a a a local area network, I need these components, and this can go into any context. What you're describing is very specific. IoT is very specific because each person has a different need and outcome that they're that they're going for. Not everything is going to fit into a pretty box, right? It needs to be flexible enough that we can scale appropriately, but also make it specific enough to uh, be impactful for that specific end user, right? You know, we talk about, you know, future state and it's hard to conceptualize. Let's go back 25 years, right? Scalability concerns, data center concerns. What do you do? Well, let's 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 garner up some dollars. Let's stand up some more racks and stacks, and let's just you know add more power behind it. That's not logical today. You know, now if you think about that, and you're like, well, why don't you just spin up an instance in AWS or Azure, right? I mean, that's the logical progression. I think we as as, as a society are going to start thinking differently just as we start to adopt IoT in our normal day-to-day at home as consumers of it. And that'll start to make us you know, think deeper as far as, I can actually do this for my customer now, right? And here's how I'm going to engineer it. Here's how I'm going to look at it differently because I'm using something at home that makes my life better. Yeah. One of the things that we're noticing is customers are increasing increasingly getting comfortable with the idea of they don't want to know, they don't want to manage, they don't want to touch, they just want to be able to consume. Hmm. So whether it's, we go back, you know, it's continuing calling it managed services or managed cloud, is there an opportunity now or in the near future to say managed IoT? We're already looking at that right now. And, and, and building out our capabilities internally, not just from a go-to-market or delivery, but also from a financial program standpoint. You know, I envision IoT as a service, both managed and unmanaged as options for our partners. And how that would look is, is very simple. A partner can choose to take on the management of the solution themselves, be responsible for the uh, patch up upgrades and updates, the firmware upgrades that need to happen, the ongoing security support as we talk about regulation around that space, or if they just want to sell that solution and have Ingram Micro manage that for them, we could do that for them, right? It's an added cost to do that, obviously, but we give them flavor. We give them managed or unmanaged and how they want to take that to market. Some partners are just comfortable being in their swim lane and like, hey, I'm doing my knock stuff today. I want to keep doing that. It's a great business model for us. Yeah, we have the capability, but I don't know if I want to hire on six more heads to support IoT solutions that we now have to monitor and manage as well. That's not our expertise. Ingram, can you help us out? When you start talking about managed services in, in IoT, though, do you see different layers of that because it's management of the systems, management of the devices, or also the outsourcing of the data analytics? Is there the different flavors of managed services that will come through this? One of the, one of the bigger problems I see with, with businesses is everyone wants to say big data, business analytics, make intelligent, intelligent decision-making. Fantastic. And so they go out and they get all this honking, you know, as much data as they can get, yeah. and they go, oh, look, 
that they got conflicting indicators. Wouldn't it be much simpler just to say, hey, you know, you know, we got all this tele this telemetry data coming in. Let somebody else tell you what it means. For sure, and and you know, we saw this on our, um, you know, our services practice that we have internally at Ingram Micro is very very beneficial and it's a huge value add that we have out in the space. And what we tend to see over time is that with any new or emerging technology, the partners heavily rely on Ingram Micro out of the gate to perform that services work, whether that be assessment work or ongoing management services. Until they adopt and see it in practice a number of times and they have a few more at-bats is when they start to say, okay, you know what, we can actually take this on ourselves and build out our own maturity practice around that. So the services portion is an evolution for our partners. And again, they can either stay in that swim lane and continue to do it themselves or outsource it, or they can uh, evolve and, and bring on a more robust SOW for their customers. At the end of the day, we're still gonna provide them the option to either buy or build. And if you wanna buy, great, here's what that looks like. If you wanna build it, here's the tools and resources, these are all the key considerations that you need to factor in, and we're gonna help you along that journey to make sure that it's perfect before you just flip that switch and, and fall off the deep end if, if you know you don't factor in something a certain way. Yeah. Do you find that the vendor composition or the vendor mix coming into IoT is different than what Ingram is used to. Yeah, and and there's going to be you know it's it's a lot of small fish with a lot of big fish, right? And we're going to start to see mass consolidation across the board because largely at some of the events I've gone to and I see some really innovative you know neat stuff that people are creating. A lot of it is homegrown science projects, right? That are really brilliant. But then you ask them, well, what's your channel strategy? And then the response I got was, oh, we don't believe in point solutions, so we're not going to take that route. And I was baffled. I was like, wait, what? And I asked them again, what is your channel strategy? And we're like, we're not into point solutions. I go, I don't think you understand what I mean by a channel strategy. So there's a number of these. I think uh, I think it's Matt Turek has uh, a, a slide, and I use it from time to time for comedic purposes, but it has 930 logos of the IoT ecosystem, and he updates it every single year. And I believe his first one was a few years ago, I think it was 2016, where it had 300 some odd logos. So in three years, it tripled in size. And it's it's very well uh, put out and it's broken down. Uh, you can zoom in on it and, and see like, okay, this is the big data guys, this is the analytic guys, these are the system integrator guys, these are the platform guys, this is, you know, whatever. and. It's very cool to look at, and we, we kind of use that as like you know potential opportunities, but at the same time, who's gonna be around tomorrow, right? Or who's gonna be bought by the big dogs that are out there? And that's where the challenge is for us, is, is understanding where to place those bets, yeah. right? And, and there's gonna be mass consolidation, but there's also gonna be incremental startups as part of that. You know, we, we see it as this incubator of sorts to where, again, because everything is uh, limitless and there is a huge lack of standardization across the board, everybody's creating their own, right? And again, a lot of them are pretty ingenious, but do they have the capability to scale beyond themselves? It's an interesting point you're saying that their reaction is, well, we don't, you know, they don't understand channel 
had firsthand experience with this. We were at the Fog World Congress, mm. and didn't you know? I, I thought Fog was something that they made up. Like, Why? <laughs> and uh, much like edge computing, it's like edge well, computing, like, fog the, computing, cloud like, computing. What the hell is? It? We've been living on the edge for since Aerosmith wrote the song, right? <laughs> But when they started explaining to me, I was like, oh, okay, this is really interesting. It makes sense. There's not enough time. There's too much latency and time that goes into pushing everything yes. back and forth to the cloud. So I get that. But I started asking questions because this is, the fog is all about connecting edge devices, mm -hmm. like sensors at, at um, uh, automated toll plazas, like we have in New York. Yeah. And I asked that same question. Well, who installs all that those sensors who installs and manages them no idea and we kept asking that question it didn't matter what the use case was we kept asking the question it's like well, we have no idea how it actually gets there somebody mm -hmm. figure it out it just happens yeah, yeah <laughs> automatically right so i mean isn't that a problem though is that this new age of iot because there's so many of these companies that are coming in that have so little experience of getting products at scale of the yeah. market that they don't actually understand what it means to go indirect or to have a two-tier yeah. go-to-market strategy or third-party support. Yeah, and, and a lot of the things and the misconceptions about IoT sensors are that they're these very delicate, you know, chips that are raw and, and you know, if you touch it wrong, the static shock is going to short circuit and then you just ruin the sensor. That's not, that's not reality. Reality is a number of these sensors can be zip-tied to whatever the hell they're monitoring, right? And whatever they need to attach to for logistics, just zip-tie it to uh, an actual rack where a uh, product is being stored. Um, or zip-tie it to a vent, you know, that's monitoring the HVAC output, right? You know, that's reality of sensor deployment is how simple it can be. You want to talk future state? Well, we're going to have autonomous IoT solutions that are going to recognize scalability and start to print their own sensors, 3D prints. And there's also uh, sensors right now that can be printed on copper paper that have been tested, right? So that autonomous environment is going to monitor and manage itself and scale accordingly. Now, whether they're going to have drones fly out and drop that sensor where it needs to be, that's future state, who knows, and maybe there's an application out there for it. But ultimately, somebody needs to deploy the sensor. And who's going to do it? Well, they can use somebody like Ingram Micro, who's done it before, and show them the ropes, you know, to show them how easy it is. But until they see it in action, you know, there's that misconception like, oh, it's too, too difficult, I can't take that on. Or maybe they have a view of how to do it, and they're doing it wrong, or they're not doing it in the most efficient manner for that sensor or for that solution. So we can help them out and paint that picture and show them, here's the best way to do it, right? And, and give them that foundational knowledge so that, you know, teach a man to fish, right? Show me once and I, yeah, that makes sense, I can do it. One of the things I find fascinating about IoT is that the, the durability of sensors, or even these edge devices. Yeah. Um, software, you know, they, they can be updated with software. They can live in the wild for yeah. years and years. Does that mean that we're going to be living, the IoT business model is going to be one in which the device is the loss leader and the services attached to it is where the revenue is made from? Or the software attached to it is where the revenue is made from? I think just in the uh, few short years, we've seen a aggressive maturity of sensor technology to where sensors that would need batteries to be replaced every six months turned into every year 
turned into every five years. Now we have sensors with 10, 20 year battery life capabilities on it. So that part of it, the, 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 just the battery portion of it, now there's battery-less sensors that are out there, right? Thermo, uh, thermo uh, coupling sensors that generate their own power just from the heat that they're, that they're monitoring from. It could be a steam vent or a pipe, right? So <clears throat> we have always been thinking of and ensuring that in our business model, we take the full life cycle into consideration because just like any piece of hardware that's out there, there are going to be failures, right? And durability concerns, you can build it like a tank, but a drop of water could just fall on one small defection on it and then it ruins a sensor. Or that same sensor could last 20 years without needing to be refreshed. Look at the Mars rover mission. It was meant to last 30 to 90 days. It lasted 13 years. It far exceeded expectations across the board. And that's going to happen with any sort of hardware that's out there. And we are going to continue to see a natural maturation process for obvious improvements where it needs to be, whether that be uh, temperature controls or um, various uh, uh, sensor rating technology that's out there, like military grade sensors, right? You know, we talk about our cell phones. They now have, I forget the terminology that they use, but, you know, rated glass, right? You know, Gorilla Glass, you know, and now there's Gorilla Glass 5. What does that even mean, right? Like to the average consumer, what does that mean? And it's going to be analogous with, with sensors as well. They're going to mature based on the needs and the application and the environments for which they're going to be deployed in. But at the end of the day, that life cycle needs to be thought of in its entirety, whether that means monitoring the solution to better understand when a sensor is going to fail, why it's going to fail, and make changes based on that data, or proving, uh, think of managed print, right? You know, getting to a point where we recognize, all right, this sensor is going to fail. It's just part of the solution. They have a five-year lifespan, and we're going to get ahead of it and ensure that we have sensors on deck to refresh at an easy rate so we don't fall behind. One of the things partners tell us is that things that they find valuable that vendors and distributors do on their behalf is create demand. How are you identifying or helping to identify opportunities for partners? We take a look at and educating our partners into where the opportunity is for them. Because again, our partners sell to a vast variety of end users. A lot of it's CIT equipment, phone equipment, hosted PBX, what have you, back-end computer systems, Office 365, laptops, tablets, whatever, right? They sell a lot of gear to their customers. But that they may not necessarily fully understand what their customers do, right? Or, or the business model and what keeps them up at night. So we have to tell them, right? We have to, we, back to my earlier point, we have to show them what the opportunity is. And we're doing that through some grassroots efforts around identifying where the vertical market is for those end customers, right? We're, going to, we're looking at the end customer data first, and then we're backdooring in, well, who's the partner that sold them their IT equipment? And then going to that partner and saying, hey, you sold the Lenovo laptops to this office building. Did you know that they also have this equipment on site? We know that because it's part of our DMB database. But here's the opportunity that's at hand for you. And it's up to the partner to decide, yeah, they actually did mention something in their last meeting that I could see how it could relate. Or, yeah, no, that's not in my wheelhouse. Like, I'm good. Right? And then we... 
virtually go on to the next partner and say, hey, here's this opportunity, it's low-hanging fruit. Do you want it or do you, are you going to wait for somebody else to come in and swoop that business from you? So is there a danger that if they do not start looking at a attacking that opportunity that there will be a an alien presence that comes in from the side and takes it away from them i don't want to threaten our partners and tell them that if you don't evolve with us you're not going to be relevant in five years but at the same time i want to enable them for them to start to see it and see that it is a here and now technology and not something that's five years down the road right they can recognize those wins today right there, there should be no objection for them to recognize or pursue an opportunity today versus five years from now. I would challenge any partner to tell me why they won't do it today, whether that be capability, resource constraints, financial uh, uh, business fit that isn't in the wheelhouse today. Um, whatever the objection is, whatever the hurdle is, they have a partner in Ingram Micro that we can help them bridge that gap. Right, we can we can create a new program if it hasn't been done yet. You know, we're open to exploring that as long as it makes sense. For the customer and the end user and Ingram Micro, we want to do it. Looking forward five years from now, where will your IoT business be? What will it look like? We're going to have an entirely new ecosystem of partners at Ingram Micro. And that includes a whole new breadth of OT partners that we never had visibility into before. Now, I'm not saying that that's our only focus for the next five years is trying to find and recruit these OT guys. No, it's facilitating that partnership between the OT guys and the IT guys. Hell, we have IT partners partnering with other IT guys, right? So not only is the partner ecosystem going to change, but obviously the technology piece of it as well is going to change. And that to me is where the fascination of IoT comes in. You know, I, I love to, you know, like look up and talk about the stars and the vast expanse of, you know, the universe and how deep and just limitless it is. That's what IoT is, right? And, and it, it's fascinating to think about the impacts that IoT are going to have in five years, not just from a personal use and how we live our day to day, but also that's going to come second nature. That, that's just going to be an afterthought. Like, well, yeah, of course my phone's going to tell me that there's ice on the road and that it's going to wake me up early and self-drive me to my office and then have its oil changed during my lunch break and treat itself to a car wash and then pick me up at five o'clock all while I'm punching you know, the time clock. But that's going to become the norm. And in order to do that, partners have to build in each one of those steps of the equation. We have to further build out the 5G network to allow for the autonomous cars. We have to further build out the business case, right? I feel that this is very much uh, Steve Jobs-esque, where we have to tell people why they need something, and they don't realize that they need it until we tell them. We started this conversation by saying IoT was a broad term, too much to describe it. Yes. And, um, and I think that you know when Cisco came up with the internet of everything, <laughs> It really was. It was. It almost felt too big. And I really liked what IBM tried doing, which was calling smart cities. But that was also too narrow right. in scope. It didn't. Why are we just calling this what it is? It's the digitalization of the world. I, I, it's it's the current buzzword, though, right? I mean, it's IoT. It's it's the latest. It's the latest mega trend, right? And maybe in five years, we no longer call it IoT. Right? Maybe it's just looped back into IT because 
it's so widely adopted at that point, right? But again, at the end of the day, what is it? Talk business transformation. It's the digitization of physical assets into a digital ecosystem, right? And then from there, what can you do with it? But that's really all it is, is digitizing physical assets and figuring out new ways to improve upon them and completely disrupt the space. That's what fascinates me, is the disruption power. That's all the time we have for this edition of Pod 2112. I want to thank our guest, Eric Ambry, Director of IoT at Ingram Micro, for joining us. And I want to thank all of you for listening in on Pod 2112, a production of the 2112 Group. 2112 is a leading provider of research, strategy development, and enablement services for B2B technology and manufacturing companies around the world. For more information about how 2112 can help your business, visit our website at the2112group.com. Also, check out Channelnomics, 2112's news and analyst site that provides the best insights into business practices and market trends. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to Pod 2112. You don't want to miss a single conversation with the executives and thought leaders shaping the world around us. You can subscribe to Pod 2112 on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. It's easy to subscribe, so do so today. Thanks again for listening in to Pod 2112. Until next time, I'm Larry Walsh.